Alrighty, welcome back to the last uh, 20 minutes or so of the program. Gesundheit with Jacobus. Dr. Robert Linden is my guest. Uh, the book is called The Rise and Fall of the American Medical Empire, a trench doctor's view of the past, the present, and the future of the U.S. healthcare system. And uh, things are things need to change and, and change for the better because they have been changing during his 30, 35 years in the business. But after he retired, he decided to write this book to to give some great inside information from all of his experiences. And it is a great read. It's an, it's a, it's a, there are some tough parts into it when you read it. But in general, it is an easy book to read. You, you connect with Dr. Linden and you go like, yes, something needs to change. And the more we realize that something needs to change, we can let our voices be heard. So this is a great book. Pick it up. Borders, Borders has it in stock and uh, it would be great for yourself just to read during the cold winter days it is also a great gift you can give to somebody who you're passionate about so pick up your copy as you can call a good morning your name please how can we help you uh my name is steve and uh, what a terrific program thanks steve i'm concerned about health and all the domains of health and development and i'm thinking uh, so we have over time unconsciously a certain kind of relationship with industrialization of our food, our medicine. I think there's a lot more awareness now of the consequences, some of those consequences or benefits. And your program does a great job of this, of making us discriminating thinkers. And the doctor today makes such a good point that I want a healthcare provider that travels along with me through my life, knows me, I know him, her. And talk about domains of health, we begin to lose an important intimacy, I think, as human beings for development and health by being a part in some time with these industrialized systems we become a part of, our food system. We become distanced from important things. So that's my comment, and I'd like to have a response. Thank you. Well, thank you, Steve. You want to stay on the line, or are you going to hang up? Oh, I can stay. All right. Dr. Linden. Yep, I, I agree. I, I think that we're, it's it's interesting in me, taking medicine specifically because I think we're we're at a junction right now that is, as far as physicians and patients, you know, uh, a junction where we have a, a major problem with the ages. I'm not sure what, what age Steve is, but you know, between fifty the fifty to seventy um, age group, where basically they're used to. What Steve had mentioned, you know, physicians that have been there for 20 or 30 years, that practice continuity care, that have followed patients, that admit their patients when they get sick to the hospital, that are available at night. Some of them are still doing house calls. And yet the new doctors coming out are, you know, again, I hate to use the term again, but millennials, people that have reversed the priorities in their life, you know, that instead of vocation coming first and family second and them for third. Uh, their quality of life comes first, family maybe second, and then their profession really is down third or fourth. And 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 they want the 40-hour work weeks. They don't want the nights or the weekends. And But, you know, the patients that age, at that age are also the same. They, they don't have a sense of loyalty. I know my, 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 my son-in-law is interesting. He wanted to buy a car. There's a Subaru dealership two blocks away from his house. Did he buy it from there? No. He went on the computer and said, I want to spend $25,000 for this Subaru. You give me bids. And five Subaru dealerships answered him, and he bought the car 
someplace that's 60 or 70 miles away. I said, where are you going to get service? Down the street at the Subaru place two blocks away. I said, well, how can you buy the car one place and, and get service locally? Aren't they going to discriminate against you? They, ah, they don't care. And that's why the new group of patients is, too. There's no loyalty. They, you know, they go to the supermarket, one super, supermarket, number one, because the cost is down. And they don't develop a, a relationship with one supermarket or one doctor or one automobile dealership. Um, where the people that are between 50 and 70 are very upset now because they're losing their doctors, number one. And when they get sick, they end up at the hospital and they end up being taken care of by a hospitalist. Yeah. And there's a whole changeover now. Like maybe in 30 years from now, nobody's going to be complaining. We're going to have the millennials treating the millennials, and nobody cares. But I think right now, like you mentioned, there's a major change uh, where the providers are young and their priorities are different, and the consumers are 30 or 40 years older uh-huh. with a lot of diseases, and they aren't used to this young generation of physicians, and I think there's going to be a war out there and a lot of discontent. Wow, I'm, yeah. I hear what you're saying, and I I also think, like I said, uh, we've kind of become, you said people like automatons walk in to these specialists and don't and think much of it. We, we're involved in our industrialized food and meat system and don't think, but I think the awareness is, greater and that's what i'm saying i am optimistic that there are students of their lifelong students of the profession who want to do what you're talking about and i see a generation doing this in the food system and not putting a monetary uh, uh thing at the top it's necessary for all of us of course but and there's a role for testing there's a role for specialists but i'm talking about a very important human component yeah, and, it's, and that's what I'm talking about in all of these systems and a, a kind of distancing, whether it's from nature or human beings, that uh, I think I'm, I'm positive about a change in the future, but and, we've gotten ourselves into a lot of muck, I think, right, with yes. industrialization. Uh-huh. Right, and I, and I think there are a lot of students out there that are interested in doing the primary care, doing the blood and guts medicine, but they have to be selected and nurtured, and I think that one of the basic problems I see are the medical schools and how they're selecting people and what the, and how they're brainwashing them from year one through four. I mean, there are a lot of medical students that come out into medical school, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, want to conquer the world, want to take care of the underserved, want to go into the rural areas. And by the time they finish those four years, they're indoctrinated to thinking about quality of life, basic but, you know, incomes, and they come out basically in this, like you said, the medical industrial complex and going into subspecialties. And, and I think that it's well known that if medical schools changed their admission policies and took kids more from state schools rather than private schools, took kids more from the rural areas than the urban areas, took actually the females we know go into primary care more than males, and uh-huh. changed their admissions policies and nurtured those kids through the four years I think we have, a, like you said, an optimistic view, and we and have more role models for these kids. We're going to turn out more primary care. And I, I, I hate to come down to the medical schools, but I think one of our major problems is changing the medical schools. And there are medical schools that are changing. I mean, you know, Basie, Jefferson, and University of Washington, and University of North Carolina really are pushing primary care. Mm-hmm. And I think if more medical schools jumped on the bandwagon, we would turn out more primary care physicians. Well, thanks for the call, Steve. Uh, you bet. Thank uh, you. Bye-bye. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus. My guest on the phone is Dr. Robert Linden, author, a retired family physician and internist and geriatric specialist. And The Rise and Fall of the American Medical Empire is his book. 
We have another caller who would like to ask you a question or give us a comment. Caller, good morning. Your name, please. How can we help you? Yeah, this is Tom. Hey, Tom. And, um, you know, we're uh, basically, I'm very conservative. Uh, values, philosophy, everything like that and all. And uh, I was, first of all, uh, interested in the medical school and the cost structure and the doctor thing and everything very much. We're going through, there's a big echo. Yeah, we're there going, was somebody else on hold. But they, we're go ahead. going through a uh, real serious thing with skin cancer with my wife now. She's lost about three-fourths of her nose and had a major session in the Billings Clinic and just came from a week surgery in Salt Lake and everything like that. And I don't want to interfere with anyone's ability to make money or with a student's ability to go where they want or do this. It's not, it's against, but... Well, I think I abhor the way Obamacare was put together because it's just absolutely unaffordable, and uh, it just you know can't be done that way. They got to rebuild it. Although I know we have a lot of need, but the problem is we have just two of about eight surgeries the uh, bills in so far for her, and that's like over thirty-three thousand dollars already. And uh, um, I I just I don't get it. I the, when we left the hospital in Salt Lake, and she only stayed overnight one night. She couldn't come out of the anesthetic. They gave us bags and bags of saline and patches yeah. and tapes and pads, and, yeah, yeah. and they said, you better take it, stuff we didn't even need. And I said, why Why do we take all this? He said, because you're going to get charged for it anyway. Thousands nice. of dollars. Nice. And just, we're out of control. We're just absolutely out of control. In, uh, um, I, I, I know we can't afford Obamacare because of this kind of thing, but I don't understand where the cost structure comes from. Uh, the people at the hospital says, well, we've got to run the hospital. Uh, what's going on? That's a great point, Doctor Linden. What is going on? What on earth is going on? That you know, athletes. I know athletes get it because they can. Uh, if fans would stay out of the ballparks and and make it handle some of that problem, but athletes get millions more than than true value because uh, it's inflated. They can get it. But yeah. what is where does our cost structure in medicine? I, I research. I know all of this, all of that. But you know, one handful's enough, and uh, I've got pretty heavy insurance. Where we're getting, we're getting pretty well things fixed. It's going to cost us a bundle. But God, I've, other people that have this, these kind of things, where do they go? What do they do? Yeah. I'll get off. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I mean that's a whole other you know hour, and I think that it, which, with, with respect to our healthcare insurance structure and our healthcare system structure, but a lot of it comes down to basically. Um, in our country, the way we have it set up, there's a lot of overhead, a lot of administration. When you look at it, 30 cents of every dollar paid uh, for your premium goes to overhead and, and administration. And, and a lot of that's going to CEO salaries in the millions and stock options given to the CEOs. A lot of it's gone into the paperwork that insurance companies use the for profits, figuring out weird things, you know, things like how not to insure people, uh, what to set the rates at. Um, denial processes, things like that. Um, when you put into it, again, there, you know, much of medicine is, is, is Wall Street medicine. It's basically companies that are destined to, um, to uh, supply stockholders with dividends every year. And again, we've gotten to this whole establishment. And unfortunately, you know, like you said, you're a conservative, so it's hard, hard to kind of, it's a little difficult to review, but, but basically we've become, like Copas said earlier in the, in the program, we've become a business. And, and, and every area in medicine is destined to generate profits for stockholders and things like that, which is part of the problem. Another problem with our, 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 our present system is we talked about the fact that we're a subspecialty based system. 
And that's very expensive for the reason we talked about. Something we haven't talked about is defensive medicine, which yes. is basically the fact that these do- doctors are scared stiff of being sued. Yes. And so they overtest. And as Lee said in, at the outset of the program, when you overtest, you find ditzels, you find all kinds of things on CT scans that probably don't mean anything. They're cysts or benign nodules. They're very small, but who's to say they're not going to be cancer? So yeah, what the, full, you, the full is positives? Right. They've done this. Then you, they're into doing these tests over and over again for two years, three years, because that's what the radiologists want. They want rock-stable stability and before they'll say it's benign, and that creates a lot of cost, a lot of anxiety in this whole thing with radiation. Yes. Um, and we have the patients. The patients are demanding more and more technology. I mean, and, 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 and they, like Lee said earlier, if they don't get it, they, they threaten to sue you. So we have a lot of things built into our medical system that makes it expensive and actually twice as expensive as our closest competitor. Yeah, but we're also, did, we're also being told that if you have insurance, or the insurance company will pay for it. People would just right. go to a doctor and say, well, I already hit my deductible, so I can just keep going because it's all paid for by the insurance company. Well, somebody's got to pay for it, you know? And that right. is the, that, that is, where is this feeling of responsibility? Like, what can I do myself in order to avoid this disaster which we're in and which we're going to end in, uh, you know, if the, if the whole system starts working uh, the way it has been presented by the government right now. I do want to get another caller in before, and I know that, as you mentioned, the question from Tom could take us another hour, and I think we got to keep that in mind for another show, Dr. Linden. Uh, okay. I want to get another caller in. Caller, good morning to you. Thank you for your patience. Your name, please. How can we help you? Yes, my name is Judy, and I'm Hi, Judy. so glad he brought up the subject of Vioxx, and I'll tell you what my experience was. When it first came out, my rheumatologist doctor put me on Vioxx, and by the time I'd taken the second pill, because I was on warfarin, blood thinners, I went and or I got uh, pneumonia. I spent three weeks in the hospital very, very, very ill. You can't mix the warfarin with the Vioxx, we oh. found out. So when I got out of the hospital, we didn't think to renew my pneumonia shot. And three months later, I went back in the hospital with pneumonia, was put in ICU, and spent three months on a ventilator. Oh, boy, Judy. Uh, and... Uh, well. I tell you, that Vioxx was something else. It didn't hurt my heart, thank goodness, but it sure made me ill, and they thought I was going to die the second time. Wow. So (laughs) I often wanted to sue that company for that that pill. Yeah. You did, or you wanted to? No, I didn't. No, I didn't, but I've often thought, boy, they sure made it miserable for me. Yeah, and they probably raked up your costs on oh, stuff boy. that you uh, was never necessary. huh? Yeah, I did have insurance, thank heavens, or yes. I'd have been out in the street. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Linden. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's a tough case not knowing all the details because the Vioxx was, I mean, Vioxx and Celebrex, which is a sister medicine from Pfizer, which actually still is on the market, um, they were touted uh, as not affecting your clotting system. They don't block platelets. And so they weren't going to be like aspirin and naproxen, and, and that's probably why a physician selected Vioxx. But the problem with warfarin is that any medicine, I mean, there are certain medicines out there that can change your prothrombin time on the warfarin, the cumin, and the blood thinner. Uh, but I think you have to sort of take a, that any almost any medicine can change 
levels of warfarin or prothrombin right. time, and, and you have to really, if you're going to start any new medicine on a person, especially a medicine that just came on the market, right. which, again, you're coming back to 3,000 to 5,000 people are tested on this, and they don't. They're, when they do these tests, with something I didn't mention is there are a lot of ex- exclusions. You know, when, they, when these companies design these studies, there are exclusions. They exclude older people. They exclude people on medicines like warfarin. They exclude people with other diseases. So they're using a very, very narrow group of people, and then they're getting passed through the FDA in a cre- increase. And now these medicines are used on a lot of people, people who are 80 years old, people that have diabetes and hypertension, people that have, are on numerous other medicines, and then you start to see the side effects. Yes. And that's what you went into. So Yes. Well, thank you, doctor. Well, thank okay. you, Judy. All good the information. Best. Yes. All okay, right. Judy. Bye. Thank Bye. you for listening. Bye. All right. We uh, we have a few more minutes here. Um, you know, Dr. Linden, uh, just to close out this program, but I, I really love to have you back because there's so much more we need to touch. Uh, it, it, your book, 200 and some pages, 250 or so pages, with great information and insights, uh, does it's really only the tip of the iceberg because we can go into so much more detail as we as we do that. Uh, one of the things that I've brought up on this program that I just want to run by you in just a nutshell, maybe for food for thought for next show, is the system that is being proposed and that is being accepted of being the past that we're going to implement in the so-called Obamacare. It is primarily taking care of the, the, the pharmaceutical companies, insurance companies, uh, the doctors, the hospitals, etc. There is no, there is no, uh, proposal for integrative medicine using natural approaches, the research that is being done in natural approaches in combination with what we call then the establishment of Wall Street. Um, I, I have said before, let's say we would stimulate the American people to live a healthy life, to, to, to exercise, to, to get, uh, to have a, a chiropractic visit, acupuncture, uh, go to a gym, get a gym membership, buy some vitamins and supplements if that's what they feel they want, they, they need. Use those so-called alternative methods and save the receipts. And at the end, at tax time, you just take those receipts, deduct them from your taxes. Uh, deduct them from your income, whatever you want to do, and then pay taxes on everything else you have to pay your taxes on. But right now, come tax time, all these expenses that are there really to to make the person healthier from the inside out and the outside in um, are considered a luxury. They're not seen as a as an actual way to uh, to make this nation healthier. And because people are not stimulated in doing that, all of a sudden when the economy hits, they're going to say, well, I know i got to take care of myself, but my insurance will cover it. I'm not going to go that route. And I know it's too short for you to give a long answer, but I know you have you have done your readings and, and your, your, your studying. Uh, we're going to have to talk about that another time. Yeah, I think it all comes down to special interest and, and, and profits. And I think the free things that are made common sense are left out of the equation because the yes. special interests were left in the legislation. Absolutely. And there is more. A lot of people need... feel that they wrote this legislation. Ah, I see. I see. Well, that's a, that's a great point. I, I really appreciate that we can close on that. I want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for writing the book, The Rise and Fall of the American Medical Empire. I highly suggest people pick up the copy. And I hope to look forward and talking to you again soon. Okay, Rob. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much for being with us.